during the ownership of that asset, we had 13 streams of revenue. Boat club, boat rental, marina, uh, Airbnb, events, memberships, swimming pool memberships, some storage, some parking, uh, parking storage, et cetera. So 13 streams of revenue on one piece of property. And that was at that moment that it really taught me the power of multiple streams of revenue with one transaction. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Syndicating Your Way to Wealth, the podcast that educates, inspires, and empowers you to build wealth through multifamily syndications. I'm Katie Cepeda. And I am Yelfrey De Leon. And today we have a very special guest on our show. Today's guest is a lifelong investor, entrepreneur, and a successful real estate syndicator. He is also a mentor and one of my favorite real estate mentors, I would say. In his 40-year career, he has built, owned, and operated multiple businesses that have generated over $90 million in revenue and employed over 1,000 people. His real estate portfolio consists of a wide variety of asset types, including marinas, resorts, self-storage units, events facilities, but most importantly, and probably his favorite, multifamily apartment units. Today, he has investments and dispositions in over 1,000 apartment units in multiple markets across the country, with a total over $50 million of assets under management. Please welcome Paul Montalongo to the show. Welcome, Paul. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How you doing? Everybody good? We're doing great. Thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome. All righty. So, Paul, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about your story? So we know that you've been in real estate most of your life. And, you know, we just want to know how did you get started on this journey and what was it like for you at the beginning? Sure. Thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on your show. And uh, I hope that your listeners get great value um, from what we discuss here. My journey has been for my entire life in real estate. So at the age of 17, I purchased my first piece of real estate. It was a residential piece of land, a residential lot, little bitty pie shape. And um, I bought it with money that I had saved and earned from doing the things you do when you're a teenager, mowing the lawn, raking leaves, doing odd jobs here and there. And it was $7,500. And I had great aspirations of building a speculative house on the property and then selling it and making a huge windfall. But at that age, I really didn't have an idea of what I was doing. So two years later, I sold the property for $15,000. So I doubled my money. I made $7,500. And I like to tell the story that I did exactly what an experienced, savvy real estate investor does with their windfall profits. I bought a truck and a motorcycle. (laughs) So obviously... Yeah, obviously, I did not reinvest my profits. I went out and spent them on boy toys. As you should. Um, but a couple, of, <laughs> as I should, yes. And, and by, by the way, I still kind of do that, okay? So, uh, but two years later, um, I bought a, a little residential house. I fixed it up. I flipped it. I bought the house across the street. I flipped it. And then I started buying more properties and fixing them up and flipping them. And along the way, I owned a construction company. I owned an insurance restoration company. Um, I was a builder. And so I did all through my career, I've been involved in real estate and construction simultaneously. 
Um, and then in the early uh, 2000, well, 2008, 2009, when the economy went upside down, I found a real opportunity there and I started buying flips, uh, foreclosures. I started buying foreclosed homes because they were greatly undervalued and flipping them. I did most of that in on the West Coast, California, uh, in the Vegas area. And uh, that was a really good time because if, if you knew where to look, and you knew how to take advantage of the economic situations, then people made a lot of money during that time. Uh, then that rolled over into 2014, where I was asked by a friend if I wanted to go in and buy a marina. And of course, I said no, because I had never owned a marina. I had never owned a boat. I still have never owned a boat. But once I did actually decide to buy in on that marina, I uh, then woke up one morning and I had inherited 115 boats. So we bought the marina, we stabilized the, the asset, we converted the RV park that was attached to the marina to a tiny home park. And at one point during the, uh, during the ownership of that asset, we had 13 streams of revenue. Boat club, boat rental, marina, uh, Airbnb, events, memberships, swimming pool memberships, some storage, some parking, uh, parking storage, et cetera. So 13 streams of revenue on one piece of property. And that was at that moment that it really taught me the power of multiple streams of revenue with one transaction. So fortunately, um, I had some gentlemen that were partners and they really mentored me and taught me how to do this thing we call syndication. They had been buying apartments, so they taught me how to buy apartments. And so then I went on this journey to buy multifamily and multi-unit properties. And so currently we're in 1,114 doors. I've cycled through several hundred doors, um, three properties, and we are building self-storage. Um, I'm working on more deals to build more self-storage. We have like deal flow like crazy right now. We have in offers all over the place uh, to buy properties. We've been very active this year and we've acquired a number of properties this year. So it's just been a journey. It's just been a growth. It's been a learning. Um, it's been a commitment and a dedication, but I feel like we've finally hit um, a, a, some real traction and some real momentum. And when I say we, it's me and my wife and my team and and in our partners and the people that we collaborate with, it's a team effort. And so this is where we are today. Wow. Um, that was amazing and very inspiring. Thank you, Paul, for sharing that. Um, I mean, you know, let's let's just unpack that a little bit. So you mentioned, you know, 17-year-old Paul, 7,500, mm -hmm. buys his first property. Um, you know, what led you to think like, okay, you know, I want to go into real estate. This is the way forward. And, you know, really, because I mean, I'm thinking for my own self, when I was 17, I, I surely wasn't thinking about real estate. I mean, I wish I was doing so, right? I would have been in a different position today. But, you know, what led you to that path? Yeah, it's really simple. It's not complicated at all. My father, told me you need to go buy real estate. Now, interestingly enough, he did not own any real estate other than the house we lived in. And he didn't 
invest in real estate until much later in my life uh, than he invested in real estate. But at that moment or at that time, he I guess he realized that if I were going to have a future in anything, that real estate would be a part of that. So I took him at his word. Um, I liked the idea of working and making money and saving money and seeing money. And so making an investment in a piece of real estate when I'm 17 years old seems pretty pretty logical to me. And uh, it, was it lucky that it worked out? Maybe. <laughs> um, and then it gave me a taste of what was possible in real estate. And so actually all through my career, there have been times when I've been heavily involved in real estate and focused on it. And there have been little periods where I haven't. And then there'll be periods again where I have and periods when I haven't. Remember, this has been going on now for 40 plus years. So there's been an ebb and flow of it. But specifically over the last nine and a half years, almost 10 years now, um, actually, as I think about it, it has been 10 years. We've been really focused on these multi-unit properties and increasing our portfolio and our wealth through cash flowing properties, multi-unit cash flowing properties. Great. Thank you. That's um that's amazing. And that just makes me think um about the people that you had in your life that have had that impact for you to think that way. Um something I know about you is that you know you didn't go to college, you didn't uh get a degree to get a job. You went out and you decided to create a business, but not only one, you've created multiple business. So it just yep. makes me think about how you were able to acquire that knowledge of going after creating a business and solving problems? Yeah, I'm not opposed to college at all. Both of my sons have degrees. They went to college. Um, I went to about half of a semester. (laughs) I was taking an architectural design class and I remember the professor said, when you get your degree, you'll be able to go out and make $40,000 a year. And I was probably 19 or 20. And I remember thinking, I, I don't want to make $40,000 a year. I want to make a lot more. So I did not go to class the next day. I did not return to class. And I just went to work. That's at the time, I was working for my father. Yeah, at the time, I was working for my father. He had a remodeling company. So I, I worked in the remodeling business. And then about um, six or seven years later, at the age of 27, I separated and I went my own way, created my own businesses. And so Technically, from the age of 27 on, I've always had my own businesses and uh, earned my own way. And what would you say is your favorite investment strategies? So it seems like you've invested in many different assets to diversify your portfolio. What's your favorite investment strategy? Well, syndication. Because when I learned the power of syndication in order to buy larger properties that, that were a larger investment, like that was magical to me. I, I, you know, I remember driving past large apartment complexes and office complexes and office buildings and these large pieces of real estate thinking, how oh, the world did, did, did somebody buy those? And then, you know, as I, as I matured, I, I learned, oh, they put a group of people's money together. They offer a return on investment to those investors. They buy the property. They turn the business into a profitable business. And everyone shares in the profits. And so the syndication model to me became the most powerful real estate strategy that I had ever encountered. And so we went for it and 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 learned it and 
And fortunately, it's worked out well. And fortunately, our investors have benefited from it. So that that seemed to be the most powerful strategy that I've ever used. But that's a great question, Katie, because, okay, so now my mindset is like, what's the next most powerful strategy that I could use or find or discover? I think I have an answer. I'm testing it. We'll see. <laughs> but um, so, that, so that you can, you know, buy more properties and expand the portfolio and expand the wealth, not only to myself and my family, but to other people that we collaborate with and other people that we partner with. So uh, I'm, I'm always in that search for, okay, what's the next little best thing that can happen to make what we do really good? Of course. All right. So based on your 40 years of real estate experience, how would you describe the current real estate market today? Why would you think that investing in you know, apartment units would be a smart strategy for any investors out there? Well, first of all, um, I participated in one recession. I have not participated in the other three that were in my life. So think about that for a second. When I, the first recession that I experienced was, I think I was in my early 20s and you know interest rates were 17, 18, 19%. And I didn't know. And I just thought that, okay, this is the way it is. Everyone is affected by this. There's no way out. I'll just have to wait for it to pass. But then when the following two or three recessions uh, followed. And I say, I, I say that with a question mark because I don't really believe that we're in a recession right now. I do believe that we're in a bit of a correction, but I don't think we're in a recession because if you go to the mall, if you go to the movies, if you go to the airport, um, if you go to a football game, basketball game, there is so much money being spent on those luxuries. If you go to the lake, the boats out there and the people that are out there, there's so much money being spent on those luxuries that that to me, that's not an indicator of a recession. Having said that, having said that, I think that we're in a time where real estate market values are correcting. I think we're in a time that people are hesitant because of the fluctuation in debt and in financing. And I think that we're in a time where retail investors are sort of sitting on their hands, waiting to see what happens in the market. So what does that mean? That means that there's opportunity. That means that we as operators, owners, managers, um, buyers of real estate have better deals at our access, to our access. And so it requires that we look closer at deals. It requires that we uh, solidify and maximize our broker relationships and our dealer relationships so that we have good deals coming to us. I can tell you right now that just based on what we have on our board, the deal flow is phenomenal. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we have put in three LOIs this week alone, um, and we made best on best and final on two of them. So we're in that round. Uh, we landed another deal about two weeks ago. Um, so, you, you know, we we do see the deal flow. We do see opportunity. And so it's a mindset. Are you going to sit back and wait for the market to correct or the market to be what you think it should be? Or are you going to 
search through the market and find the opportunities that are there for investors. Right. Yeah, no, thank you for, for mentioning that, Paul. That's uh, very insightful. Uh, you know, one thing I definitely agree with you on that. Um, a lot of people think that, oh, you know, we had interest rates of, I don't know, 27 2.8%, 3% in 2020. And, you know, they might think that this is the normal or that it, it'll come back. You know what? It might never come back. Uh, because this is not the normal, you know, there there was a period in 2020 where interest rates were that low and, you know, we were able to to buy a lot of real estate assets. Um, however, you know, like you mentioned, uh, it's a time where this is correcting itself. And, you know, although it may be a little high now, um, there's always opportunity to refinance. There's a lot of creative finance out there. Um, and like you mentioned, there's a lot of owner operators that are having access to a lot of opportunities and and also uh, people who are in or properties that are in distress uh, financially. And it creates an opportunity for people like us, right, who want to take ownership of those properties, improve them, uh, et cetera. So definitely, th thank you so, for, for that. It really doesn't matter what the interest rate is because there was a time when I was in a market where the interest rate was 12, 13, 14%. Wow. So why do I say that? Because, you know, if rates right now are six to seven to eight, and eight well, you know, on one of our deals, a uh, construction deal, we're looking at eight and a half percent. Okay, that's high. However, does the deal warrant it? Can you negotiate the deal so that that 8% or 12% or whatever the interest rate is makes sense? Because as long as the deal makes sense, we'll be able to refinance that deal in two to three years, three to four years, and it'll make even more sense. But you're going to buy, you know, you make your, it's the old adage, and it's true, you make your money when you buy. So if you buy it right, Based on the existing conditions, the current conditions, so if you buy it right, then you've made a good real estate deal and it will only get better when interest rates correct even more. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for that. And I guess really quickly, that goes back to what you were saying about um, your underwriting process. Like, that's what's going to change. So we're underwriting differently, obviously. You know, we're looking more at debt. We're looking more at at the cost of living, we're looking more at the cost of construction. Um, we're looking more at maybe some of the hesitancy in the market for tenants to rent or to pay for higher rent. So all of those factors we look in at every deal and we keep tabs on those metrics weekly because that's our business. So when we're in a market, we're always measuring the market to see what the resilience is of the market, where the test points of the market are, and how we can maximize that market. So it's it's what you do when you're in business. You just continue to evaluate. Mm -hmm. It's it's your business. Do it. Yeah. Now that we're talking about the current state of the economy and rising interest rates, um, can you speak a little bit about um, a challenge that you have that you have experienced in your journey, um, and how have you been able to overcome it? Well, I've had a couple of deals that didn't go as well as I thought. <laughs> so we would get into the deal and find uh, conditions that were different than we expected. So it required 
more capital expenditure. Uh, it required maybe even, well, one required restructuring debt. Um, so when you, when you step up to the plate and swing a bat that many times, sometimes you're going to, you know, you're going to walk, you're going to have a walk. <laughs> sometimes you're going to hit a fly ball, you know? Uh, so, um, and fortunately we've never had a deal fail. So we've got that. Um, but every deal creates its own unique set of circumstances. And so those couple of challenges on those couple of deals that we had, we just had to crack down, restructure the business plan, take a look at our assets, take a look at the capital that we had, see how we can trim expenses, um, see how we can maximize the human resources that we had, see how we can even work with our investors to let them know what was happening on the project and what to expect. So you just, you look at, but, but you look at the deal and you look at the transaction transaction and you put yourself in a solution mode mindset. So if you're solution oriented and you're always asking yourself the question, how can this get repaired? How can this get fixed? How can we solve this? If those are your prevailing questions, your brain will seek the answer and find the answer. Whereas if you're thinking, well, this is a problem. Why does this suck? How did I miss this so badly? Uh, what's going on with the market? Oh, why Why are those people over there doing that? Now you become a victim instead of a victor. So, you know, I prefer to look at the opportunity in everything and seek solutions. And I think that we have built a nice team that their primary question or their primary thought is, how do we seek a solution? And and we're always thinking, even if, even on a good deal, even when something is going well, all right, what's the solution to make it better? So I, a lot of that is mindset, Kate. I love that. Very insightful. Thank you, Paul. <clears throat> so, you know, looking back at your career, what is one thing that you wish you would have done differently and that would have helped you scale your business faster? And how well, I wish that... I would have... Oh, no, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, finish your question. How can that what? Oh, so how can that serve as a motivation for aspiring investors um, like us? Right, 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 right. Well, um, I, I wish I would have known about syndication much earlier. <laughs> so you, you guys that are young and you've learned about syndication, that's a magical thing. It's a really magical thing. And so um, I wish I would have learned about that strategy much earlier. Uh, because I, I'm sure that uh, well, all of my businesses prior to my first syndication, all of my businesses were self-funded. So if I had a deal, I funded it myself. If I built a business, I funded it myself. I was not, I, I was not um, confident enough to go out and ask for other people's money to invest in my business, and I didn't. I wasn't aware of the nuances of the syndication model. But once I learned that and got coached on it and mentored on it and then actually did it and performed it, then your my confidence built, my confidence built. And now right now I have like maybe no hesitancy. But then but the reason the part of the reason a big part of the reason of that is I've got good deals. Like if you come into one of our deals, we're you know we're doing you a great service. <laughs> your money is going to work in a very, very good way. So that confidence is easily transferable over to 
and uh, an investor. So I, the syndication model from a technical perspective, the syndication model is uh, what I wish I could have mastered much earlier in my career. I remember the first time I ever, my first deal, you know, I knew I had to raise $1.4 million. And so I did, I, I did the uh, iPhone wheel of fortune. So I would go through my Rolodex and I would just scroll, scroll, scroll. And wherever my thumb landed, that's the person that I would call. <laughs> hey, do you have $100,000? No? Okay, scroll, scroll, thumb. You have $100,000? No. And I got rejected for the whole deal. And then I found a partner that raised $1.4 million in nine days. I'm like, that's cool. How did you do that? And so then he taught me. So now why did I get rejected or why did I get turned down for investment? Because my database, my Rolodex did not know me in this space. They knew me in my other businesses, in the space of my other businesses. And so they had no frame of reference for my success ratio in this business. So they waited for me to have success uh, have success in this business in order to invest in this in this business. So I think that's a good point for people out there who are in some other business and want to get into syndication. You've got to build the confidence of your friends, family, and other investors. They've got to see you active in this space. They've got to see you have some sex success in this space. They've got to see you have some credibility um, and stamina in this space. And then that Breeds more confidence for them to invest in your deals. Great. Uh, no, definitely. I love the tips. So, you know, I want to touch on a point that you mentioned earlier. So, you know, we've been talking about your success on, on other businesses. So how have your success in other businesses have transferred to this model of real estate syndication? How were you able to apply that? Um, you know, what processes and systems um, work well for you in that respect? Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a great question. So I have a belief and I adopted this belief maybe about 15 years ago. I, I remember just really thinking about it because I was trans, uh, uh, transforming into another business model. And I remember thinking everything that I have done prior to this has set me up for what I'm doing today. And so when I went into the syndication model and when I went into buying, you know, $15 million properties, okay, um, I, 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 that, I carried that belief through. I'm like, everything that I have done prior to this has set me up for this day. All of my experiences, the people that I've hired, the personnel that I've trained, the business deals that I've made in the past, the negotiations, the dealing with the attorneys the lawsuits, the failures, the bank loans, everything has brought me to this point today to help me pull off a $15 million purchase, by example, okay? And so I continue to believe that, like whatever we're doing right here in this podcast, it will serve me tomorrow, somehow, some way. And it will serve me in two years, this experience right here. And so that's a, a core belief that I have about myself. And um, you know what confirmation bias is? Yep. So confirmation bias is, you, you know, you have a belief and you search for evidence to prove that you are right, <laughs> <laughs> to confirm your bias. So I have this belief. And so I continually search for evidence that helps prove to myself 
that my belief is correct about all of my experience in the past. And by the way, that's just not that's not business experience only. That's life experience. That's relationship experience. You know, and and all of those things that have happened to me up to this point in my life, they have served me for what is happening today and what will happen next. I really believe that. Thank very you, good, Paul. very good. Thanks, Paul. I'll, I'll, I'll add this too. So that very first deal that I did, the reason I got invited to that deal was for my business acumen. Not so much for my real estate experience. Uh, I did have some money that I invested into it and I did have a balance sheet that I contributed to it. But, but more importantly, they wanted someone with business experience and uh, the experience to operate a business. And so my resume matched that. Okay, well, like I said, I'd never owned a marina. I'd never owned an RV park. I'd never owned you know, a 14-acre piece of property like that. But I had owned businesses with multiple employees, with multiple moving parts. So all I had to do was take those skills and move them over to this new operation and, th- and then go forward with it. How do you build such a strong mindset and not allow, you know, whatever obstacles or fears or whatever it is um, get in your way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're assuming that I have a strong mindset. <laughs> just kidding. Seems like I'm it. Just we like to believe that. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Listen, I have my doubts. I have my self-doubts. I have my moments where where it's dark and I'm like, what in the heck am I doing? You know, I worry that I'm protecting my investors money and I'm, you know, I, I, I worry about that. Um, but I don't worry about it to the point where I lose sleep because I try to build in a lot of protective measures, uh, to, to be able not to worry about that. So the real answer to the question is, um, I have my doubts and fears and insecurities and frailties because this is my human experience as well. That all said, um, I have done a lot of work, a lot of personal work. I've done a lot of, uh, I don't mind sharing this. I've done, I've, I've been in therapy uh, for good reasons, you know. Hey, we Personally, all, we I've all never need had that sometimes. It. We do need it. You know, I had some good therapists. I've had some really good mentors that were in my face about things. Um, and so, you know, I've done a lot of personal work to get to this point and I feel like I'm still doing a lot of personal work so that I can stay, stay sharp. And, and, you know, I don't have any addictive behaviors. Um, I stay physically fit. I stay healthy. Um, I, uh, I'm family oriented and family centered. Um, my wife and I, one of our, well, our top core value is adventure. So like we're always in an adventurous mode. We stay curious. And so I think that zest and and passion for life itself, just just for life, uh, bleeds over into our work and bleeds over into our relationships and our friendships and so forth. Okay. That's great. And um, I mean, something that we also know about you is that you have been an inspirational speaker or a motivational speaker, I should say. Um, and, you know, you have done so many different things, uh, mentor, builder, like you mentioned. There was a 10-year period there where I was on this professional speaking circuit. 
And so um, a large part of what I did was I taught sales training and uh, sales motivation and inspirational speaking. Now, that was a total accident, me getting into that line of work. Someone, someone asked me to speak. I spoke. Someone was in the audience. They heard me. They said, would you come speak to our group? Someone heard me. They said, would you come speak to our group? Hey, that, that, means, you that it, means you were great. <laughs> I, I don't doubt well, it. <laughs> I appreciate Yeah. And so then for 10 years, I was, you know, in, I was on the uh, speaking circuit doing about 70 to 75 professional engagements a year. Wow. And so I, I, what I did, what I determined or what I learned then was, you know, a lot of people in the audiences and, and I still think this is the case. A lot of people in the audiences, um, they just want to feel like they're like, they can do it. And, and again, our insecurities creep up and sometimes we just need somebody to say, you know what, get off your butt, get out there and do it. There's no excuses. You can do it. Um, those, that's the conversation I have with myself. Like sometimes if I feel, I'm feeling a little bit down, I'm like, don't do that. Get out there one foot in front of the other. And then the momentum will pick up. So, you know, during that time that I was, I was doing those engagements, um, as very fulfilling, you know, and I did a lot of corporate training and association training and so forth. Um, and interestingly enough, over the last year, from my work in the multifamily business and the multifamily space, I have been asked to come speak at conferences and events. I didn't search out, you know, to go speak at those events, but I have been invited more and more. And so I, I'm, I'm finding, oh, I really, I, I remember how much I like this. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but it's great. from a little different perspective. That's yeah, a little different perspective now because I get to share a lot of my life experience. And I get to, I get to share you know, my journey and, and, uh, you know, people listen, this is a very long game. This is a marathon. And so if you think you're going to get into any kind of business and make a windfall profit and be out in a year or two, that's a very, very, very rare scenario. The, the more, uh, the more reasonable and, and, and realistic scenario is you're in business for a long time. So you may as well buckle up, get ready for the ride, dig in and be committed to the long haul, be committed to the long haul that you're going to figure things out and you're going to achieve your long-term goals. Definitely. You know what? This is a very interesting point and it brings me to two two things. Uh, you know, one thing that you mentioned and another point that I want to bring up. You know, one, uh, the fact that sometimes when you don't know, you're kind of searching for that meaning in life. Like, you know, what what were you meant to be doing in life? Like you mentioned, you know, you started doing so many different businesses, so many different things. And eventually all of those things helped you and shaped the person you are today and, you know, the, mm -hmm. the successful syndicator that you are. You started this multifamily business, you know, you went for it and now you're seeing all of these gratifications, all of this success. So, you know, it, it it's a great, powerful message for a lot of people who may feel that are a little bit lost, don't know where to start in life. Eventually, everything will, you know, sort out itself and you will find your way. And then the other thing 
you know, you mentioned that uh, a lot of people ask you to come and speak at their conferences and things like that. But one thing that I that I would say personally about Paul, uh, having known him now for some time in this space, is that uh, you are definitely a, a people's person and you are able to connect uh, on a much deeper level uh, with other people. And I think that that um, nurturing uh, part of you uh, that's able to connect with people helps you uh, connect with the audience. And, and that's why people like you, like to be around you and mm. want to bring you on as a mentor and as a speaker, motivational speaker. So that's great. Keep up the great work. Yeah, that's nice for you to say that. Uh, um, I, for a long, long time, I have been very interested in the human journey and human achievement. You look at my library, I have, I, I probably have a thousand books in my library and the vast majority of them are inspirational autobiographies. Like I like wow. reading stories about successful people or people who have been through some kind of challenge and come out victorious on the other side. I, I just like that. So um, the human experience, the human journey is very fascinating to me. And there's no way to find that out unless I just get with you and ask you. Right. Like we've all been someplace. Like our interaction right now, right here, is the result of some place you've been and some experience you both have had. So, you know, what brought you here? Pretty easy question. All right, let's find out the answer, you know? And uh, to me, that's, that's always been a real cool aspect of, of the human journey and, and the human experience that I like. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. Yeah, we kind of got off business. We got off the business track there, didn't we? <laughs> no, this is great information for our listeners. I'm sure Definitely. whoever well, it's all it's, in it's all related. Yeah. Yeah, it's all related, isn't it? Because if you have a real curiosity about humans and the human journey, journey and the human achievement then that translates into, okay, you're going to connect with investors. You're going to connect with brokers. You're going to connect with lenders. You're going to connect with other partners. I mean, it's just, it's all interwoven. Exactly. So it's not, it's not exclusive of each other. It's my way of thinking. Exactly. 100%. And even like just touching a little bit on um, in terms of when you want to connect with investors, like you want to get to know who they are, like how is their lifestyle, like what type of, you know, like how much money, not in terms of money do they have do they have to invest, but like how is their lifestyle good and the amount of money that they have, like how is that going to um how is your investment that you're providing for them gonna fit into their lifestyle, you know? So it's very important to be able to connect in that level. Absolutely. Every investor has their own reasons for the reason that they're investing. Mm-hmm. They all have yeah, so it's up to you as the syndicator, you as the manager, the owner operator, to find out why they really what you know, like the real truth of why they want to invest. Exactly. And and see if that fits into your plan. One hundred percent. Paul, so you said you have over a thousand books. I'm intrigued to know um, what's one book that you would recommend for us and for our listeners out there. Well, the book I read, I okay. So in the past, in the past two months, I've re read five books. Okay, so the one 
that stands out to me the most at this moment is a book called Relentless. Relentless. It's written by Tim Grover. And uh, he was Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade's personal trainer. And so the whole book is about the mindset of somebody who has a winning attitude. Like, like what is that really like? Not just somebody who wants to do well, not just somebody who wants to succeed, but like a real winner, you know? And I have thoroughly enjoyed that book. So I bought his second book. It's called Winning. I'm in the middle of it right now. Um, but let's see, over the, I read a book, uh, over the last, uh, two months, I read a book called, um, the inside track. I read a book called traction. Um, I read a book called, uh, relentless. I read a book called, um, the EOS lifestyle. Um, so, you know, these are all nonfiction books, right? So they're all either biographies, autobiographies, or stories and study of successful people and successful businesses. Um, you know, there's nice. the classic thinking, classic thinking, grow rich. Like I read that, I reread it maybe once every three or four years. Um, I read it three times. Um, I actually have a signed copy of Think and Grow Rich, an autographed copy by Napoleon Hill. So, you know, I value that book. Uh, that's a classic, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I get a lot of inspiration about of, from reading about the journey of highly successful people. And it's not just athletes and yeah, it's not just athletes and business people and that kind of thing. Like, like I have a number of books about uh, uh, family and men and uh, patriots and you know a variety of people that have you know experienced a, a measure of success in their life. That's a great list. Thank you for sharing. Relentless. I'm I'm taking taking notes on that. Yeah, one. <laughs> love that. <Yeah. laughs> Okay, great. So, um, so Paul, what's next for you and your team? Are there any projects, anything that you're currently working on that you would like to share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So we think that in uh, 2024 and 2025, that'll be the year that we put together our fund. And so investors can nice. come fund the fund and uh, they will earn money from the fund. And the fund obviously will be invested in uh, multiple deals so that gives the fund a much better opportunity to to grow and uh, to be profitable uh we're dipping into some other uh, uh types of real estate i think i mentioned earlier that we're building self-storage um, that has become a nice little add-on to what we're doing since i have a heavy construction and development background i've really enjoyed the process of uh, developing and building a new new self-storage um, I like the idea of building something fresh. Um, you know, if you think about it, I have a a, a really uh, ex extensive builder background. And when we buy an apartment complex, we're actually building a business. So I guess if I had to put it all into one word, I'm a builder. <laughs> I'm a builder of businesses, builder of teams. And uh, hopefully at some point, somebody will consider me a builder of people. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Love that. Great. Um, are there any uh, upcoming 
projects in terms of like real estate syndication? I mean, besides the, the fund launch uh, that's upcoming, uh, are there any deals that you're currently uh, raising for? Any deals that are coming in the pipeline for you? Anything of that sort? Yes, we we have three deals right now that are in the pipeline that have opportunities for investors to invest in. Uh, they all kind of look the same in that the returns are projected at 20% per year. The interest rates are fixed debt. The They are all value adds. They are all class B minus or C plus. Uh, they are all between 100 and 150 units. So they all look real similar to each other. Um, uh, but, you know, just uh, it, that's kind of turned into our little little lane here, our fairway. So if someone um, uh, wants to invest in one of those kinds of deals and one in, in our team, then we do have opportunity currently going on right now. And where can listeners and investors find you and learn more about these deals and about you? Yeah, great. So montalongocapital.com. Uh, there's a way to uh, get on our list. Uh, we have articles and uh, our deals are there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a full investor website. Of course, anything Paul Montalongo on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, anything Paul Montalongo. You guys know that I, I post pretty regularly and we post educational material and we post, you know, what's going on. And we also try to demonstrate um, a lifestyle. Like we're not just all business. We're, we like to have fun. And we like to, you know, enjoy life. And so we think the two should complement each other. So we do like to uh, post that. And, and I love to interact with people on social media. So if you're a part of our social media, um, We'll, you'll and you and you message me. You'll hear back from me. <laughs> you'll, so, and, and you'll hear uh, back from Paul Montalongo, not a bot. So no, that's great. Yeah, that's not great. a bot, not a bot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, hopefully, I'll, I will never get to the point where I have to automate responses, right? Because right. I, I like personal interaction. Um, I will say too, the other thing that my wife Letitia and I have done, and by the way, follow Letitia. She's actually more. Um, what's the word? She's more. She's. Actually, Letitia is more prolific than I am on social media. So, uh, it, yeah, she's she's quite active, and 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 her stories and adventures are are, are they're much cooler than mine. <laughs> What's her social media? Her, Letitia Montalongo, L E T I T, Letitia Montalongo. Anything Letitia Montalongo. So the other thing that, that she and I have done is we put together our first private mastermind group. So we've been working on this and planning on this and seeing this as part of our vision now for a couple of years. Actually, we were working on it pre-pandemic, and then we had to you know, pause for the pandemic, but we're back on track now. So we have a, a private mastermind that's being held in Scottsdale, Arizona in October, October 18. We're only allowing 40 people there. It's all inclusive, the room, the food. We have private chefs. We have entertainment. But we have some pretty cool keynote speakers. So like we have Neil Bauer confirmed he's going to come talk to us. Uh, Richard Wilson just confirmed day before yesterday. Of course, he's Mr. Family Office, and he's going to train us on how to raise money from family offices. Um, and we've got some other speakers that are, are really, uh, we've got Mike Guthrie, and Mike Guthrie has raised tens, and I think over $80 million in the last year. 
So, you know, capital raising is a key component of our business. So we've got really great speakers. Now, the other thing that we're going to do is if you go to the event, then I'm personally going to mentor you for the six months following the event every week, once a week for six months on the business plan that we'll develop at the, at the summit, the event. And so we call it the Adventurers Investment Summit because we're going to add adventure to it as well. But I'll personally mentor you for the six months following that. And so if that's of interest to you, that is on montalongocapital.com. There's a link to it. Um, we're happy to Zoom with you, interview with you, and find out if this is a match for you. And do they have to be in Arizona? Oh, no, 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 no. We have people coming from all over the country so far. No. Um, if you're, but if you're in Scottsdale, you live in Scottsdale, and you want to come to the event but go home and stay, you know, in your own bed, then we can... You know, we can make some financial arrangements with you there because the the, the price of the ticket caught, uh, includes the, uh, the room, right? It's a private house, but actually it's three private houses in a group with three swimming pools and, you know, it, it's it's a compound. It's pretty nice. So we did this because if, if you think about what we talked about earlier, you know, the relationships that we feel are, are key to build and getting to know people and creating an experience with people we decided to put our mastermind together with those elements in mind because we discovered that that's what really helps people connect. And when people can connect, then they can do business together in a trustworthy way and in a, in a way that they're both, they're all on the same page. So we've put together the event to feature those values so that we can all collaborate and move forward doing deals together and expanding our businesses together and growing the wealth and growing the pie. So we're really proud of that so far. We're proud of the other event. We think it's gonna be a really good event. There'll be more to come. Um, but then I don't I don't know if in the future we'll have the personal mentoring attached to it, but for this particular event, I'm gonna be doing personal mentoring for everyone that attends. That's very good. Uh, thank you for sharing that information, Paul. I think that you know that's a very nice touch. Um, there's a lot of mastermind groups out there, but they do not include this very personalized one-to-one -one training or coaching right. with uh, the individuals. So I think that's right. that that adds a lot of great value. Mm -hmm. So you right. know, definitely uh, reach out to Paul Montalongo if you want to be part of this. I think it's going to be great. And like I mentioned, Paul is a great mentor. So thank you, Paul. And yeah, I think that concludes our journey for today so once again paul thank you so much for being here with us and sharing all of this great insights and content uh, for our listeners um until next time 